Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Um, I'm really delighted to have Luke here today from Carbon Culture. Um, I've known Luke for a little while and I'm really excited about what he's going to be talking to you about because it's not just about data but also about behaviour and how these two things, um, how data can be used to sort of change behaviour but also around profit and business and how that can be beneficial for businesses. So Luke. Catherine. Over to you. Excellent. Levels are okay. Hello everyone. I'm Luke. Um, I run Carbon Culture. Uh, some of us met before. Um, so the title of this talk, which Catherine kind of dragged out of me a week and a half ago, is uh, Transparency for Fun and Profit, um, which is kind of what I'm going to be talking about, so I guess that, that, that makes it a good title. Um, but it's interesting in some ways because that's not precisely why we started working with open data. So Carbon Culture, as an organisation, we've got an agenda, right? So Carbon Culture exists um, to help people save energy and carbon. That's why we got into it um, and discovered, actually, that open data, using data, using transparency, was a great way of making that happen. And at the same time, um, that that's not that, that agenda of let's save the world or whatever is not everybody's agenda. So to get other people interested in using carbon culture and kind of taking up the tools that we're offering them, we needed to find um, ways of connecting the activities that we're proposing to other people's agendas, which largely are, and it's not just fun and profit, but certainly a lot of people like fun, a lot of people like profit. So we're on our journey kind of through the public sector and the private sector, working with them to publish data and to find new presentations of that data, we found a lot of different views um, of how that might be useful for different kinds of, kinds of people. Um, in, in sustainability and particularly in sustainability engagement. There's a kind of... Um, there's a, a kind of requirement that's, that's, that's shaped our approach a bit, which is that whereas people have been getting from you know, internal external stakeholders, they've been getting a scent on the kind of activities they're, they're doing with sustainability, they actually need more than that. They need active engagement, active participation from their users and their stakeholders. So it needs to kind of raise up a level, kind of a bit further than normal marketing as well. So that's another thing that's kind of led our approach. So I'm going to tell you a bit about um, how we got here and then a few observations about different kinds of organisations we've worked with uh, and some of the kind of the learning we've got out of that. So Garbage Culture is an idea. Uh, started a little over three years ago. Um, and really the idea was how could we... how could we help organisations and people to work together to save energy and carbon more effectively, and how could we use the affordances of the internet, you know, the, the new novel opportunities that we have of data, of communications as possible now, in order to make that, that easier, cheaper, and actually into something that potentially could become a core part of, of the way that a lot of organisations work when it isn't, it isn't already. I heard yesterday that 50% of CFOs were surveyed a few months ago by Deloitte. Sorry, all of them were surveyed, or their entire set were surveyed. 50% of them, 51% of them said that sustainability had no part in the, in the financial performance of organisations, which is, you know, a, a, a pretty shocking number. That's how, mo that's how CFOs feel about it now, and, and in order to transform that, we clearly need to give them data in order to see a way through. So we started actually talking to 
talking to a few big corporates. That was initially where this idea um, got its first outing. We were talking to corporates about how they could collect their information and, sh and present it through a number of different kinds of interfaces to their staff, to their public, to their customers, in order to, in the first instance, transform the way that people feel about energy and carbon saving, and then ultimately to actually transform their business, to attract, retain customers, if it's a, com if it's a commercial business. And back then, in I guess 2009 was when those conversations were happening, the businesses we were talking to were extremely unenthusiastic about the idea of collecting their energy and carbon data and publishing that in an open way. It was something that, that they felt very clear about their lack of ambition to do. Um, and to an extent, you know, that's, that's warmed up. But we, I had a few conversations with corporates before um, talking to DEC, and it was the Department of Energy and Climate Change who ultimately said, all right, let's, you know, if this were to work... It could be amazing. It could be amazing for the UK, for fiscal performance, for energy and carbon saving. So let's try it. So DEC actually gave us permission to start this. We did it in, in, in their building first and built a set of, um, I suppose, a, a set of interfaces to collect all their metering data, to get that all into one form, and then to present it out through different interfaces to their staff. In the first instance, through quite simple displays, so you know, visualisations of energy and carbon, and then ultimately through much more um, kind of mediated presentations, more like games and apps and kind of behavioural interventions people could take up. Still, still presenting that data, but in a way that's much more fitted to the interests of the users rather than just being a graph of energy use. So it started with DEC, um, and I think the next day DEFRA said that they'd like, they'd like it too, and then number 10 got involved, and then after that, government kind of quite quickly um, took up the thing we were, we were suggesting. And they found it certainly much, much easier to stomach the idea of, of opening up data than, than did the private sector when we started talking there. A few months after we st started talking to DAC, and we were kind of working on this program, so it hadn't launched yet, nobody really knew about it except the team we were working with, um, there was a new government. So that was like May 2010, I think it was. And Prime Minister went to DEC and announced a couple of weeks after after they won the election, or whatever it was that happened there, um, announced that, that every Whitehall department was going, to, um, was going to publish their energy and carbon data in real time. So there was a, kind of, there was a piece of leadership there from, from number 10 setting out that every government department would publish real-time data about their energy use, and then they all had to do it in a very short period of time. As it happened, we had just a couple of weeks previously finished building the software that would enable buildings to publish their energy and carbon use in real time. So we were able then very quickly to get to all eight, not all of whom actually, interestingly, were keen on the idea either. So, you know, most institutions actually then and now are still in the habit of keeping information private unless there's a powerful reason to make it public. So initially, a lot of those government departments also were saying, let's keep this to ourselves. Um, since then, uh, just to give you a bit more context, it's gone out to organisations like Transport for London and GLA, a couple of universities, the UCL Energy Institute and, and Greenwich. Launch, uh, Cardiff Council is launching today. They're doing public disclosure of 200 of their buildings um, from today, which anyone uh, can, can go and look at, and Kensington and Chelsea will be launching soon. So just beginning to work with corporates as well and have had a lot of conversations in the meantime. Um, about what the what how corporates see see their interest in this. So, talking to government, 
I suppose, um, this is where they seem to have found, certainly in the context of sustainability, that seems like quite a useful, it seems like it might be quite a useful indicator of where benefits more broadly might, might point to. Uh, the kinds of interest that they've, they've told us about initially, cost savings is, is, is really a driver for them. They can see as well there's an opportunity to lead by example. There's a sense, I think, across government that public data, that open data could turn into a new kind of something a, a lot like a natural resource. Um, or that, could, that we could treat as a natural resource that isn't that isn't as finite as real ones, um, such that people, you know, small businesses, large businesses can can make value out of it over and over again. Um, leading by example, they can they can, they can show how by giving away data you don't actually lose value and you can potentially produce more value in the economy over time. Um, in sustainability, they've certainly got an energy saving, energy efficiency. They've got an interest in innovating best practices and finding out how buildings can work better, how organisations can work better and more, more effectively. Obviously, they've then got an interest in sharing that information. If it's applicable, if it can be deployed to the private sector, then they want to learn that and as quickly as possible disseminate it quite inexpensively to the, to the maximum audience that they can. So we've found, I suppose, that there is pretty, um, you know, pretty authentically philanthropic interest in there. There's quite a lot of friction in government, I think it's, it's mostly it mostly seems to have come from habit. So lots of the, um, you know, there's just a habit of we don't disclose stuff unless we have to. Quite often, people are concerned that if they disclose things and it's, things and it's not right, that their minister might become liable for any incorrect information. There, there's something that cabinet officers put some effort into correcting people's fears about. Um, but in general, I think whenever it's been possible to do that, most most of the public servants we've been working with have been keen to find a way of making it go and keen to find a way of, of exploring what, what the outcomes might be. In the private sector, is kind of... I, I just saw this yesterday. This is um, something that Interbrand and Deloitte made. Uh, it's a ranking of the, what they reckon the top 50 green brands are. But the way they measured it, or the way they described they measured it, apparently they haven't actually published the methodology. So, But the way they described the they have measured it, is in respect of a gap. So this is obviously just a, this is all the sectors kind of mushed together, but they described it in terms of a gap between the perceived sustainability performance of a business, or in fact green performance is precisely what they're talking about, and the actual performance. So what Deloitte did was they measured in what they're claiming, what they think on base public data, is the actual green performance of businesses, and they then measured the perceived performance, and it's that different. So there's a bunch of businesses that everyone perceives they're much better than they actually are. So they've got some kind of green risk on their balance sheet when everyone finds out they're not really that green, there's going to be some problems. And meanwhile, there's some other businesses that are performing really well, but customers don't understand that. It's not turning into value for them and so forth. So it occurs to me that within segments here, so just like within the vehicle segment or within software or whatever it is you're looking at, that's a pretty good ranking of who stands to benefit from an open data ecology. So it, were there to be, you know, I don't think, believe in perfect information, but were there to be you know, more perfect information, more accessible information, then those people who currently are underrated in terms of their sustainability performance would obviously, they benefit from all the balls being thrown up in the air in that way. And the people who are being overestimated at the moment, I think Toyota are reasonably overestimated in terms of their sustainability performance, partly because they're halo created by the Prius and so forth. Um, they stand to lose something. In the private sector, I think open data, it's pretty much, I've found it's pretty much uh, equated with, with freemium models. 
So most of the time that we're talking to people about it, it's, it's a way for them to get something out there which potentially can lead to a sale, can lead to a product upgrade, maybe something um, you know, uh, uh, along the professional services line. Uh, there are construction companies who feel like if we were to make a tool that then people could use or if we were to give people access that they then use and that gets them to see our brand or to think that we care about something and so forth, it's much like a kind of free, a traditional um, free publishing model. I think it's beginning to happen that corporates are looking at how they might be able to actually exchange data with, with peers and competitors and use that as a, as a shared asset base upon which they can build new value and new products and services. But I think that's really just beginning. I haven't seen many businesses that are actually looking to use this data for those purposes just yet. It was quite slow, this. Just a second. Um, so, yeah, this, we, 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 tried, um, we tried a few different ways of exposing data to users. This is a pretty good example of um, kind of internal, internal transparency. And actually, internal transparency is one of the things that we found was quite often missing, that people who work for organisations often don't know what those organisations do to the, same, you know, to, to, to the same extent often as the people who who are outside them. Um, so what this is, is a real-time graph of the energy and carbon performance of, in this case, Treasury, uh, Her Majesty's Treasury building in, in Whitehall. Um, this was designed for two purposes, I guess. One is a kind of simple reporting task to go, look, here's what we're doing, we're leading by example and so forth. And the other one was to show the experts inside the building, the people who actually manage it, to give them a lens onto the thing that they're managing so they can actually use it as a dashboard. As a, as, a, as a way to steer. Um, it was, I think, pretty effective in both ways. So as a piece of reporting, this set of interfaces led to members of the public writing in and saying, you know, hey, why was your boiler on on Friday? Um, which you know, then led to uh, a communication coming back from the department explaining, you know, we can change the strategy, and then ultimately energy savings arising, uh, arising from that communication, as well as an engagement between uh, the organisation and the public. Most members of the public don't spend their time looking at graphs like this to find out whether organisations have left their boilers on on Fridays. So, you know, obviously there's a, there's a limited audience for that kind of stuff, but it, it, it worked quite well for that purpose. For the internal experts, it was actually really effective. So in DEC, where this was deployed, it saved, or it helped them to save about 10% of their gas use. Um, in about a fortnight. So it was a very, very fast uh, and really high impact. That, that kind of impact, uh, typically organisations will spend large capital sums on releasing. So to get, to get that from a piece of software um, was, uh, was a bit of a result. Not all that useful, though, and this is an important thing um, about simple presentation, it's not all that useful for kind of engaging people and for getting them to think about... Um, or even just to, for getting them to behave differently. So whereas people might see this and kind of maybe consider they should change their behaviour, it's often the case that they won't um, with a simple graph. Uh, so you need to kind of take it a bit further in order to do that. Um, we built a kind of social gaming platform um, which took that data, which takes that data and then presents it in a load of new forms in order to make applications here which can present information to people such they can take up a new behaviour. So an example of that is Scrunch, which is, uh, which is not about 
saving energy principally. It's about uh, a comfortable evening workplace. So in the evening, there's a comfortable place where you can work with coffee and fruit, and it's uh, quiet and productive. You get things done. It's like hush tones and um, productive vibes. It also has a really substantial energy saving outcome. So the result is that when people use scrunch, they actually scrunch together in the evening. So in a workplace, they'll all be sitting in one area rather than across the building. All the other lights go off. The potential electricity saving comes to like 3% of the total annual electricity demand. So there's a real, really high potential outcome there from what's just a little behavioural intervention that were you to present it as, hey, everyone, we could save energy if we all moved to one part of the building, just wouldn't work. But if you present it as something that's actually connected with people's own agenda, it can work really well. Um, so that's more kind of how you... Well, that, well that's more how, how we were looking to do, internal, in this case, internal transparency for, for non-experts, for people who don't have a specific agenda in it. But actually, we built interfaces onto these apps that were externally facing as well. So in DEC, we have screens in the lobby so that visitors to that place could see what the performance of Scrunch was. So they could see how many people had scrunched the day before, how many people had had a, veg, a veg-based lunch, and how people came into into work that day. In terms of sharing stuff externally, directly with users, um, these kinds of displays, and we've made a few others, are really helpful for, um, for kind of unpacking information to people who may not be predisposed to be interested in it. Uh, and I suppose this is something that we've found a few times, because the data that we work with isn't interesting kind of in an un- unvarnished form. Carbon and energy information is information that people find actually quite boring. So we need to find ways to present that that's actually uh, more compelling than it, than, than it would otherwise need to be. If you make the stuff just beautiful, that's a really, a really effective way of getting people to focus on it when otherwise they wouldn't have. And that's what we did with this a few years ago now. Um, this display picks up information from a really huge solar array on the lid of a building kind of just over there and renders that as, as kind of rain on this LED display. So when it's really sunny, you get massive rainfall and when it's, it's not that sunny, it, it, it comes right down. The effect of this is that people get um, dragged up to it by their children and kind of they have to explain what that information means. And in that way, they're picking up messages about what the solar performance is and what the sustainability performance is in a way that otherwise they just never would have. So that, along with um, the others, is kind of ways of fitting the data that we found, which is, as I say, it's metering data. It's really, it's not just slightly boring, it's really, really unappealing uh, data for most audiences. How we can frame that in such a way that it can be naturally attractive and interesting for audiences. And we made a few different apps. Scrunch, uh, which I told you about briefly, goes to a travel-based app, which helps people to book travel, so it's got a convenience benefit for them. Foodprints focus more on healthcare, well not healthcare but well-being outcomes like let's eat healthy lunches but they all have kind of carbon saving energy saving outcomes. Each one framing the data in such a way that it's useful for the, for the end user for the targeted end user but also it, you know, it, it, it works towards our agenda of releasing an energy and carbon saving. One of the things we found on the way through is very often the data that you collect I suppose that this is um, this is, this is a repeat finding that we've only seen a couple of exceptions to. 
almost everywhere we've gone where they've got a you know an existing energy metering system, it's quite wrong. So the data that they've been collecting, the data that they've got that they're using as management information has serious deep-seated problems. Um, and until you actually start picking up that data and using it in public, it's very likely those mistakes won't be picked up, or if they are, it's, it's going to be quite difficult to act on them. We found in a couple of places that when information, we built some displays that are specifically designed for senior leadership, for secretaries of state or for CEOs or whatever, when they get to see information, they can see inconsistencies in it, it gets a lot easier a lot to fix the data a lot faster than it would have been if it's just someone who's trying to look after their department. As you start sharing this stuff, um, it's really important, I think, to have a view of what the quality is. It's not necessarily the case. It needs to be perfect all at once. And I think, you know, to a large extent, there isn't such, such a thing as, as, as absolutely perfect data if you're measuring observable phenomena. But you can absolutely take a view on how good it is and report that along with the data itself. So the, the shape of the the shape of the thing we built ultimately takes loads of different loads of different kinds of data and pushes that out into forms that different kinds of different um, users might wish might wish to use. In this case, we've been working obviously with with end users, but in a lot of the conversations that we've had with organisations, we've been finding out what they need institutionally um, from the from, from from the public sector side that's much more about how they can find ways of demonstrating leadership and beginning to find that there is actually a business case for this kind of activity and from the commercial side they're much more, you know, I suppose most of the people we're talking to are somewhat constrained in the way they're marketing at the moment they're looking for new ways to market stuff, new ways to find leadership and seeing whether they can get data to achieve those outcomes that's not, in those cases, just about making these visual displays but actually creating, creating outcomes for them um, through this through this set of interfaces, um, we found really quite startling um, performance coming out of combining data with what other, you know, the, 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 the actual interfaces, I suppose, that we made were, you know, if they hadn't had the data in them, they would have been, what, posters, kind of internal comms, the kind of things that people put on those screens that they have in lobbies, you know, things that nobody reads, those things. If it hadn't, if the if the interface that we built didn't have those data in them, then that's all it would have been. And the uptake on those screens is typically tiny, you know, less than a percent or one or two percent or something like that. The uptake we had on this stuff was 40% of the entire population that we launched to um, in terms of initial sign-up, and we got 19% repeat use. So I should say there was some, uh, there was some sample bias on that because obviously it was inside the Department of Energy and Climate Change and it was something to do with carbon. So it'll be higher than it would have been uh, in an equivalent organisation without that agenda. But still, the numbers are orders of magnitude higher than they are when you don't use data and you don't use design to frame that data in these ways. So this is some of the feedback we got. Uh, we were told that our internal comms campaign was addictive and habitual, uh, which it was. Um, we had points and gamification and all that stuff going on in it as well. Um, it did generate its own momentum for a while. We actually pulled back from the whole programme and just let it run by itself for a couple of weeks and you could watch the social proof kind of ticking over uh, in the middle of the day as people would go through you know would, would complete hundreds of actions during a day when we weren't there weren't doing anything and they created their own momentum using the platform and using the fact that they could get data they could get feedback on their own behaviours 
from seeing this data um, absolutely allows the thing to kind of take on inertia, to deliver inertia back, back to the community. Um, and, yeah, change people's behavior on that basis, in this case, in, 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 in ways that led to sustainability outcomes. Um, I think uh, there's a... We got this piece of we got this piece of feedback just randomly. We've got a few bits of bits of random feedback from from different uh, from different users, and I think one of the things with with putting data out there is, is is that you get a lot of unexpected outcomes. It's really difficult to tell what the benefits will be of putting this stuff out there. Um, there's one government department where they got a really substantial benefit in energy efficiency because a senior person got wind of something that previously they hadn't got wind of and very quickly they're able to find resource to do something they hadn't been able to do before. Um, other departments have managed to start conversations with members of the public, find new contractors. Um, this person was just really impressed with what the UK government was doing and wrote in to say so, so we forwarded that to number 10. We don't know whether they wrote back. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's, that's some of the learning that, that we've had, uh, which I wanted to start with and use that to start a conversation. That's that. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.